Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are are winning. Amen. You're winning already. You're beating the rain. The rain did not scare you. How many of you almost got scared because of the rain? All right, we got a couple honest people. All right. You're like, I don't know. Should I go today? Amen. Um, today we have something special that we're going to start. If you could open up your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, and give me an amen once you get there. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, if you may. Matthew 2. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, all right. In Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read a little bit about what this series is based off. I'm going to ask you one more time, just so you could stretch, just so you could get ready. Can you stand with me if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 2? And we are going to read about these wise men from the east that come and pay homage to Jesus. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Chapter 2, verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, don't feel bad or ashamed. We're up on the screen, so your Bible is open. Join us and stand with us as your Bible is open on the screen. Bring it next week. Here we go. Verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Obviously, because of the persecution that he would cause in Jerusalem, they all were troubled with him. So when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of people together, he inquired of them where was the Christ to be born. Verse 5, so they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And look how amazing this is, y'all. They begin to quote a book from the Old Testament, from the book of Micah. And he says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Can I get an amen? amen. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for this young child. And once you found him, bring him back, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house... They saw the young child, recognize that, no longer is he a baby, he's a young child now, he's about two years old now, with Mary and his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts, everyone say gifts. They presented him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed For their own country, another way. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. That passage right there is pretty much the foundation and and the base of of where we're going for the next three weeks. 
as we enter the season, as we enter Christmas, we're going to end this series on the third week, which is going to land right on Christmas Day in our 7 p.m. candlelight service. So don't miss the next three weekends, even Christmas night. But, but I want you to kind of get a grasp for this passage and, and a feel for it and what's happening here. As you had your Bible open and we read through it together, look what's going on here. Here are these, what Scripture calls these wise men. It's a known saying for who these guys were and what they did for a living. They were actually Persian men. And these men were magis, or you would call them magicians, pretty much sorcerers of their land. They were men of great recognition, these, these men. Now, we, we always say, oh, there's three, and we get the three kings day that the Hispanics has made and all that. But, but the truth was, these, these could have been more than three men. We, we normally say it's three men because of the three gifts but we don't know whether it was three men or six men or ten men. We don't know how many men. If it was a hundred men and they just brought three gifts. But we know that these men, these individuals brought gifts to the Lord, to young Jesus. And they, these were men of great recognition, of high up in the government, in their government. The reason why I say that is because they were most likely, if they traveled this far, to give gifts to this young man. I'm telling you that they were high up in their government, I would say this, that they were probably head sorcerers to their own king in Persia. So they traveled west to find this king of there, this king that is heard about, and this king of the Jews. It is actually a king that has been spoken about for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. The Jewish people have been speaking about a king. About a king. It's kind of like the Christian speaking about the Lord's coming, right? You always hear about it, and that's kind of, what Jesus was. When is this king going to be born? So they travel to go find him. This king of the Jews that the stars had aligned them to. How amazing it is that as we get to this part of the scripture. That Christ in this passage is already drawing men to himself. From the point of his birth he's already drawing men to himself. And I think you should say amen to that. Christ is drawing men to himself. It's always a good part to say it's good. Amen. And what's beautiful about that is the kind of men that he's already drawing to himself. Now you're holy men. Not your righteous kind of men. I mean, these are sorcerers, magicians. These are pretty much astrologers, for goodness sakes, that worship other gods coming to pay homage to the one true God. Christ already at a young age drawing sinful pagan men to himself. How amazing. These pagan men, these astrologers, Coming to worship and to pay respect to this newborn king. They traveled for a while from the time they get to Herod till they find Jesus. So Jesus is around two years old. If you remember when Herod sent to kill all the children, it was from two years and under. Because Jesus at this point was two years old. And I get the whole scene and I get the whole manger scene and the baby wrapped up in a manger. But it looked nothing like that in real life. Jesus was already running around. Jesus was already probably climbing on rocks and on trees. He was two years old. Picture your two-year-old toddler if you've ever had one or if you know of one. That's what Jesus was by the time that these men came with gifts to see him. Now, at two years old, being Jesus, I'm sure he had amazing manner of speech and that he could had amazing conversations and dialogue and vocabulary already because he's Jesus. So I'm sure they asked him questions. I'm sure Jesus as a two-year-old even spoke to them a little bit like a two-year-old would. But what's amazing in this passage is what's done next. 
Follow with me and look at verse 11 one more time, if you may. They see Jesus, and look what it says in verse 11. They fell down, they worshipped him, and they opened treasures up, and they presented gifts. Gifts of gold, everyone say gold. Frankincense, everyone say frankincense. And myrrh, everyone say myrrh. They presented three gifts specifically to this young child, Jesus. We, we will look at that and say it's pretty ironic. But we'll see how it's actually prophetic, not ironic necessarily. Here is the gift to all mankind, Christ Jesus. The gift to all mankind. And re he's receiving certain gifts of mankind. He's receiving gold and frankincense and myrrh. I love how Matthew Henry, late theologian, says it. He says this. Listen to this. They presented themselves to him and they fell down and worshipped him. We do not read that they gave such honor to Herod, though he was in the height of his royal grandeur. But to this child, they gave this honor. Not only as to a king, because then they would have done the same thing to Herod, but as to a God. Note, all that have found Christ fall down before him, and they adore him, and they submit themselves to him. Perfectly said, Matthew Henry. For the next three weeks as we get into this, we're going to be looking at these three gifts that were given by these men that we would call these wise men. It's, it's a series that we're calling, calling the gift exchange. And today, the first one we're going to speak about is the gift given, which is gold. Gold. I mean, I'm thinking a lot of us here like gold. And we wouldn't mind getting a gift of, of gold. But as these gifts are given to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they may have been standard gifts. But for Jesus, these gifts, man, take on a larger meaning. They're just the standard gifts. Because of what they represented. These men bow down and they worship and they give gifts to him. The first one being, yes, this gold. And I'm not sure if they really knew exactly what they were doing, but it sure seems that they were welcoming God into this world. You see, gold is given. And as gold is given, as we step into this first gift, it's as if they were saying, here is God. God is with us. And they honor the royalty and the kingship of Jesus by offering this young child and his family gold. Gold in, the, in, in this part of the world represented that royalty and that kingship. Don't, don't get me wrong. Mary and Joseph, they could have used this gold. I mean, we could, have all, we could all use some gold. And they could have used this gold to pay for shelter and for food. For other things that maybe toddler Jesus needed. Because they were a young couple and they probably didn't afford, they couldn't afford much. They could even sell the frankincense and the myrrh to support themselves. They could use even these oils and these fragrances even for their own pleasure, for their own want. But there's no way that we could read through this and move on and ignore that there's also a great meaning behind these gifts. I'm, I'm going I'm to show you some Old Testament scriptures. All the way from five and six and 700 years before Jesus is born, prophecies of this were spoken of the kingship of Jesus. The first one I'm going to share with you is in Jeremiah 23, 5. Listen to these words. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. He says this, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. That I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. 
Listen to what he says next. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in all the earth. Powerful. Hundreds of years before Jesus ever appears in that manger. Jeremiah is saying there will be a king that will reign and will prosper and judgment and righteousness will come from his throne. Hundreds of years before Jesus, Daniel was interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. I don't have time to get into the whole dream and what it's all symbolic for. But as he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he tells of a kingdom that is established by who would be Jesus. And that it would stand forever. Listen to these words. Daniel chapter 2, if you're taking notes, verse 44. It says, and in the days of these kings, of God of, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms. And it shall stand forever. Daniel is prophesying of a kingdom that will be established by Jesus, the Son of God. I want you to understand this moment in Matthew chapter 2 for a moment as we get into this. That as young Mary and Joseph were with their toddler here with Jesus, and they're visited by these Persian magis, by these magicians, these sorcerers, these, these astrologers from another country, like we just shared, who worship other gods, traveling for two years to finally meet this Jewish boy, Jesus, and they bow down and they worship him and they offer him gifts and we speak about the first one, gold, today. I want you to understand this for a moment. It's nothing more than God confirming to Mary, to Joseph, and to every nation that the king is born, that the savior has arrived, that a kingdom will be established, a reign with no end that will last forever. I could almost imagine as these, as these pagan men came to them and dropped these gifts to them, and one being gold representing his kingship, that Mary says, oh my gosh, what the angel, what the angel had told me and what I heard from the Lord, it's really coming to pass. My son is really and will really be the king. Who, who, who the Savior who will arrive to save not just Israel, but all mankind who will establish not just Israel and the Jewish people again, but his heavenly kingdom and will bring forth a reign, not just for a moment, but a reign that has no end, a reign that will last forever. It is actually true. My son, who is two, will actually fulfill that. It's a confirmation in what Gabriel once told Mary in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read 31 and Shuffle around to verse 35. Just so we could go back to it and remember what he said to her. Look what he says in Luke 1 verse 30. I'll start with 31. He says this. You will conceive and you will give birth. And you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Does it sound like a prophecy being fulfilled? And he will reign over Israel forever. Sounds like prophecy. And his kingdom will never end. There's another one. In 35 he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called 
the Son of God. No, notice what I just read, Gabriel delivering that to Mary. And notice some hundreds of years ago, the prophecy and the wordage that was used. It's the same words to describe one person. And that's who we celebrate. And that's who we speak about. Not just every day of the year, but especially as we put our trees up and our lights up and we take pictures with that jolly old man. The reason and the purpose and the glory and all of it is pointing to Christ Jesus our Lord. Christmas yet again lands in a perfect time. In a time where, where racism is being heard and seen again. A time of bigotry like we haven't seen in a while. A time of hatred and false propaganda, murder, and disrespect to God's institution of marriage. In a time of ignorant activism. In a time of where an election year will go down in the history books. And yet again, we are reminded who God is and who it is that truly reigns. Christmas came at a perfect time again this year. That laws may change and powers may rise and fall. And governments and nations may conquer or crumble. But we set our eyes and our hope and our praise and all glory to Christ Jesus. Who is king forever, reigns forever, and establishes a kingdom forever. That's Christmas for you. The king will last forever. He will reign forever. And he establishes a kingdom forever. What a perfect time to preach this perfect message. Oh, everything's chaos. Not us. Because our God still sits on his throne. He still reigns in his throne. And he's still establishing a kingdom that will reign forever. We don't worry. We don't bicker. We don't complain. We don't fight with the masses. We keep our eyes on Christ. Because his kingdom will never be shaken. Merry Christmas. That's what this is about. That's what the prophecies were about. That's what the manger was about. And that's what it is until the day of his coming. He was given gold. Because there is actually one true King and his name is Jesus. It's not Herod. It's not Obama. It's no one that we could put in the White House. The only king that reigns forever is Jesus. He establishes his kingdom forever. He is king forever. It's hard because in these days, it was difficult to look, like a, look at a king like that. Because when one king left or died or stepped down from his throne, another king would take over. If that king had a son, if he wasn't crazy enough to kill all his sons because he was nuts in the head, he had a son to take over the kingdom and a son would become king. We see that all throughout scripture. But you see, Jesus never needs to pass his crown to anyone else. The crown that Christ wears fits no other but one. It's a crown that will sit on him forever. And Jesus is forever. His kingdom is forever. His reign is forever. We live in a lost world, but we are confident, sure, and found people because we serve one that is continuing, that is still there, that is still present. 
present and will still be there forever. That's the difference between us and others. What we believe in is never shaken, is never broken, is never erased. It is forever, and that's what Jesus, and that's who Jesus is. This gold given as a gift to this boy, it was really telling of who Jesus was and what he came to fulfill. Today's message is not a long message. It's straight to the point. So follow with me as I take a few more minutes with you. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the prophet Isaiah speaks of Jesus. 700 years before Jesus would ever come in the flesh, be born to Mary. A passage that is often versed and spoken during this season of Christmas. A passage that there are many songs written because of it. We see it in plays. We see it in choirs. We hear them in songs of worship. And I want to read Isaiah 9 verse 6. Prophesying of the arrival of the king. Let's get into it. It says here in verse 6, he says, For unto us a child is born. You heard that? Unto us, a son is given. I wonder if you really understood that because this was some 700 years. And Isaiah says, for unto us, a child is born. Can I tell you something? No child was born 700 years ago when he said this. Unto us, a son is given. As he's prophesying of the arrival of Jesus, look what he says next about this child and this son that is, is given. For unto us, he's been given. Listen to this. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder. What did I just tell you? When we're so worried and we're so confused, uh, I think it was last night, my phone alerted me in, in uh, Istanbul or something like that, in Turkey. They blew up a stadium in the middle of a game. Boof. Hundreds sent to um, hospital wounded. I think when I first got the text, it was like 26 dead right off the bat. I don't know how much where the numbers are right now. But that's the days we live in. Explosions and death, like if it's a video game. Crazy moments. Governments. People going crazy. People putting trust on government. People putting trust in man. But for unto, for unto us a child is given, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. He's going to bring forth his own government. And his name will be called, notice he just doesn't go right into Jesus. His name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I don't know if this means anything to you guys. It does to me. Just listen to these words one more time. For unto us he was given. Doesn't that humble you for a moment? For unto us. Father God gave Jesus unto us as he would give himself fully to the Father's will. 
Father gave us the Son so that the Son would give completely himself to the Father's will. I'm going to go back to this passage for a moment, but let me share some more scripture for a moment. When you think about kings and you think about what's happening here, you know that God never wanted, especially Israel, to have any king. Did you know that? They didn't want Israel to have a king. God was like, you don't need to have a king. No, but we want to be like the other nations, Israel said. We, we want to have a king because we've recognized that every other nation has a king and their king reigns and we need a king to represent Israel. And God's like, but why do you need a king when I alone should be your king? So God says, all right, because he's not going to force anything on anyone. He says, you want a king, you got a king. Go ahead and choose him. And they picked this man who was stood above all of them. He was a shoulder length taller than everyone. So you could imagine that. He was a pretty tall dude, good-looking man, known for his fighting skills, very popular, very charismatic. And they said, oh, this is a perfect fit. And they choose Saul to be their first king. Saul did so good that God stripped him from his kingdom and gave it to another man. But whatever. So they give Saul to be the first king of Israel. He never wanted Israel to have a king. You know, we could pick on Israel. I feel bad sometimes for Israel. I think we pick on them too much. Because I look at my life and I look at our lives, and I could tell you today as well that God never wanted you to have another king. But just like Israel in the Old Testament, we choose others to sit on the throne of our heart that it was only meant for God to sit in. And God's like, why are you giving that throne to others when I'm the only one that should sit in that throne? Why do you put another king in a place where only I should reign? Not just for a moment, but did you not read the scriptures where I reign forever? Hey, can I ask you a serious, intimate, personal question? Don't get offended. Come back next week. Have you ever put another lowercase king in your heart? How long did it last? For some of you guys, that little lowercase king on your throne of your heart really destroyed your life, didn't it? I'm not, it could be a person. It could be an object. It could be a hobby. But did you put another king in your heart? Did you recognize where it got you? And did you recognize how long he lasted or she lasted or it lasted for? How many of you would say it just lasted for a moment? I would. You want to know why it only lasted for a moment? Because true kingship that remains forever only belongs to one. And we need to get it in our heads. For those hearing on podcast, that's the microphone bumping my skull. <laughs> but we must get it into our heads or into our hearts. going to continue to be like Israel going in circles you're going to continue to have kings that are going to let you down get it through your skull get it through your heart that that was only meant for Jesus to sit to reign to conquer to reign and to establish that's it if not, you're going to continue to be frustrated with those other kings. How many of you are frustrated with some kings in your life that you've placed? 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, I want to share with you what a gift exchange this was as we are titling this series, The Gift Exchange. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin. Can, can you just stop for a moment? Okay, read that to yourself one more time. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. When in the world did I ever look at the mirror and deserve for him who knew no sin to be sin for me? And there was a reason why Christ knew sin for us. You want to know why? There's a comma behind that verse. Can you keep reading? So that we might become the what? The righteousness of God, but it doesn't end there. Because everything is in and through what? In Christ, in him. NLT says it this way. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The, the gift of Christmas was not necessarily the gold. The gift of Christmas was actually what it represents. And that is that the king of all kings... That in his kingship, he had the authority to do what no one else had the authority to do. And that is that knowing no sin, he became sin. I don't know if you guys understand what I mean there. For us people who knew actually no righteousness, that we may actually know righteousness. I don't know if that strikes home. You see, no king, remember those kings that you had at one point sitting in your hearts? No king has the, has the authority to do what only the king has the authority to do. Because every little king that you've placed in your heart, every single one of them knows sin from the beginning. And here is this king, this Christ, this gold that is represented to this two-year-old that will grow up and fulfill hundreds of Old Testament scripture. And I want you to recognize this, that he alone has authority to do what no one else has any authority to do. And that is this one fact. He knew no sin and he became sin so that we who knew no righteousness can know righteousness. And it's all through and in the kingship and the authority of Jesus Christ. Why do you think he looks at the disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me from heaven. Go and baptize people in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit because he alone has the authority and the kingship from God. And he gives that to the disciples. Through my authority, go and change the world. It's found in one. And when I read scriptures like this, I guess what I wrote in bold in my notes is fitting. And what I wrote was, welcome to the greatest gift exchange. His kingship for my sinship. 
the greatest gift exchange. His gold for my impurities. The greatest gift exchange. The greatest gift exchange was that right there. Next week, we'll learn a little bit about frankincense. And the following week, we'll, little, we'll learn somewhat about myrrh. But what an amazing gift exchange this is. Back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Did you catch that? Church, did you catch that? For unto what? If I deserve any of it, unto us his son is given. Because he's king, because he has, and because he holds all authority, he did what he knew he had to do to save all mankind. And that is that in his kingship, listen, church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end like in five minutes. That in his kingship, he gave all of himself to us so that we can receive all of him and then we could be transformed into him, into his image. That's what he's always desired. Everyone say, prove it. What are you going to prove something? If you're going to prove something, where do you start from? You start from the beginning, right? You start from the origin, right? You start from the foundation? Okay, we'll start from there. You guys are so interactive today, you're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the origin, the beginning of it, you know what God says, Elohim says in his Godship? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. In his kingship, he gave all of himself to us so we could receive all of him to be transformed into him. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Back to Isaiah 9, 6, as I get ready to end. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What is the rest of the verse? Someone read it out loud for me. Go. Mm -hmm. So, unto us, this child, this son is born and given. So did you catch this? So that he can be our, listen to this, so that he could be our wonderful. Hey guys, when I say guys, church and whole, no one is supposed to be your wonderful but God. So that he can be your counselor. Some of us run to manly counselors before we ever run to the counsel of God first. And 
so that he can be our mighty God. I mean, I'm just going to just not even preach on that one for a moment because we could go off on that. You know what's beautiful about God? He recognizes the heart of the fatherless. You've ever felt fatherless? You know, you might even be big and tough and bold and you might, have, you might even just have, I just do everything myself. I take care of my own. But deep down inside of you, there's a, there's a child that's whining, that's hurt and lost. Ever been there? For unto you a child, a son was given. You know, for what other reason? So that he could be your everlasting father. You've ever been at war? You've ever been turmoil, like your mind? You've ever had a mind in turmoil? You, you, you've ever woken up and, and, and experienced no peace, gone to sleep with no peace? All you feel is anxiety and stress and hurt and pain? Come on, ever felt that way? For unto us a child is born, a son is given, so that he could become your prince of peace. Isaiah 9.6 is a prophecy of Jesus who is to arrive. And also a prophecy about what he will fulfill in our lives if we allow him to. You know, the greatest thing that you could do this Christmas is to give, them all of, give all of yourself away. Today in the 9.30 huddle, I shared this with the team. I said, let's serve God today the way the lady in the treasury in the temple did where she just gave two mites away. And the rich people were giving their money and Jesus calls his disciples and says, come here. You see everyone that's given? And they're like, yeah, you saw that millionaire, how much money he gave? And Jesus looks at them and he says, right, the one who gave the most was this poor widow. She just gave what's less than a penny. How is that so, Jesus? You see, because everyone else gave from their abundance. But this woman, she gave from her whole livelihood everything that she had. There's a difference. How many of us in here serve this king casually? That's, that's the fad now, you know. Being a Christian is real cool. And we could all serve him casually and make it look cool. But how many of us serve him with all of our livelihood? With all that you got, you serve your God. Why should I? For unto you, a child was born. For unto you, a son was given. This is not meant to be casual. This is meant to be with your awe so that he can be your wonderful, your counselor, your mighty God, your prince of peace, your everlasting father, so that he could fulfill those things in your life. That's, that's who this king is. The greatest gift exchange to mankind And I feel this. I'm going to share it. I was thinking about skipping it, but I'm not. Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, tells his followers. Look at this on the screen. Ready? If, if anyone, come on, man, just, just desires to come after me, let him what? 
Yeah, yeah. You give with all of your livelihood, with everything you got. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily. And let him what? Let it look casual to you? Let it look, that look totally rad? How does that look? That looks like denial. Sacrifice, picking up crosses, carrying that cross of mine, following him with that cross on my back, baby. Why? Because he's worth it front to me. He's made himself my wonderful, my counselor, my prince of peace, my everlasting father, my, my mighty God. He's made that personally to me. It doesn't end there. You know, we started in, we, we went to the beginning, to Genesis. So I figured as we end, we'll end with the end. The origin, he showed us that let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So let's see what happens in Revelation 19. If you could turn there, we're going to end right here. Once you're in Revelation 19, you could stand with me because we're going to close up. It's all the way at the end of the Bible, one of the last chapters, Revelation 19. If you could turn there for a moment. And I want to share with you Christ. He came. Gold was given to him. But now when he comes again, there, there's no need to give him gold again. Because he's going to come in such glory. He's going to come in such power. Let's just read this and let the scripture do what it does. Ready? Verse 11 and let's stop in verse uh, 16. John, as he's writing Revelation, gets this vision. And he says, now I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on the horse was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. I think every so-called king had to surrender their crowns to the king. So he wore all the crowns of every so-called king out there. Many crowns. We know that those are the, the crowns of the righteous. We know that. Let's keep reading. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Of course, because he has authority to do that. He could make up his own language right there. And no one knows how to read it. Hey, you like that? I just made up my own language. Just like he's going to make up colors when you get to heaven. You're going to be like, what color is that? He's like, I know, I just wanted to wow you for a thousand billion, trillion, non-years, because it's no years up here. I mean, just, I don't know. I can't explain eternity. I could try. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And this name of, the name of this man is called the Word of God. That's awesome. So fitting. Because in the gospel writing of John, we know that the Word of God became flesh. And it dwelt among us. And we know that the Word of God is Jesus. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen. Come on, y'all. If you're, if you're that army, you're going to be dressed up in fine linen. You know how expensive that fine linen is? This is not like European fine linens or Egyptian fine linens. These are heavenly fine linens. You can't find them anywhere else but in heaven. The saints are going to be rocking these fine linens. And it's going to be white and clean. And they followed him on white horses. 
My wife loves that part of that scripture. She loves horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Comes forth his judgment, right? The power of his words. And with it, he would strike the nations. And he himself will rule. I told you he's going to rule. He's going to reign forever. With the rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I am the King of all and the Lord of all. I am your gold. I, it's me and my kingship. Here I am. I can't wait for that day. When all his kingship and all his glory appears and wiles, wows the nation in amazement of all oh my goodness. What the prophets and what the nutjob John actually wrote in Revelation is actually real. Here is Christ in his horse with his army reigning in glory, reigning in kingship. It is real. He's covered in gold. He's shining as bright as light. I mean, it is him, the king who reigns forever. I'm going to end with a quote from John Piper as he as he used this as a sermon illustration and he said this he says when the kingship of Jesus appears in the skies like that it will be too late to switch sides behold now is the acceptable time behold now is the day of salvation he is king yes his kingship is not provincial or tribal or national but international and global and universal it is for the now meek, lowly, welcoming, seeking, forgiving, and the patient. He has shed his own blood to save all who will accept his free gift of amnesty and come over to his side. And until he comes again, this is the wonder of his kingship. It saves sinners. It saves sinners. His kingship. His, his goldness. His kingship. The greatest the greatest gift exchange. Lord, we thank you for today. For you are worthy to be praised. Thank you for your kingship. Thank you for your royalty. For Peter writes, for now, I am part of that royalty. For now I am a chosen generation. For now I am a royal priesthood. For now I am your special treasure. Because your kingship has fallen on me and I've received royalty from my God. Thank you, Jesus. For I once was in darkness. But now I'm in your marvelous light. What's amazing about your kingship is that it's still saving sinners today. Every eye closed. I don't know if there's someone here that's never done this before. But if you've never accepted Jesus and you today, the Lord is pounding your heart 
And you know that today is the day to commit yourself like the woman with the two mites. From all of your livelihood to his kingship, to his lordship. Come on, whatever king is sitting on your throne, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're another person. And it's time to remove that king and put the king back on his throne. Today, God's calling you. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, number one, and you've never done that before, and you want to accept him and say, Lord, write my name down in your book. I want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I want you to be my king. I want to live for you fully, fully devoted. I want to pick up my cross. I want to deny myself. I want to follow you. If that's you today, right there where you're at, can you raise your hand and say, I want to commit my life completely to Jesus. Maybe this is your first time. Anyone? Anyone here? Maybe you're here today and you're the other person. You're saying, today I've recognized what, what you're saying. Regal man, I've put kings in my heart, things to reign as royalty, and, and, and it's not theirs to conquer. It's, it's the Lord's. And today I, I want to ask him to reign in my heart because it's only his reign that is forever. He's king forever. He establishes a kingdom forever. And I, I just need that today in my life, and I want to accept that today, and I want to confess that today and I need him today if that's you today can you raise your hand and say that's me man amen amen anyone else amen right there where you're at we're going to sing this song and as we sing this song I want you to surrender it to him I want you to invite him in and say Lord the greatest gift exchange here it is I receive your kingship take away my sinship Here's all of me. I'd like to pray for you. If, if that's you today, I'm going to actually open up the front and I'm going to ask you to come. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you want to come and just surrender with your arms open, come up, but don't hold back. Receive his kingship today. For in his kingship, he still saves sinners. He wants to reign in your heart, deep in your soul. So as we worship him one more time and you need to find your way up here go ahead and do that say excuse me and come up and let's pray together and if you're good and his kingship reigns in you go ahead and in that in that let that praise and that glory just flow natural let joy erupt in you today in worship and seek him here for a few minutes Jesus,